It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Dolphins fans? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today on the show, we are continuing our roster assessment of 2021 performers from the Miami Dolphins, looking at their performances, projecting them forward into the new offensive system we're expecting to see from Coach Mike McDaniel and everything in between. Let's get buckled up. You are Locked On Dolphins. Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, the director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today on the show, we are assessing the running back room from 2021 and projecting that group forward. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Running back group is obviously a sore subject for a lot of Dolphins fans. And it's important to note uh, the Miami Dolphins production in this department throughout the course of the season. The Miami Dolphins' long rush for the year, let's get into some surface-level statistics about the running back group in general, was 30 yards by Miles Gaskin. Duke Johnson pulled off a 27-yarder, and there were no other runs throughout the entire duration of the Miami Dolphins' 2021 season that surpassed 25 yards in distance. That is, in a nutshell, problematic. That is exactly why the Dolphins are entering into this offseason with another continued year of frustration and anxiety, I think is a good word to use to describe uh, the running back room. Miami, in its entirety, across the 17 games played, averaged 26 rushing attempts per game for 92.2 yards per game, a total of 422 rushes for 1,568 yards and 12 touchdowns, an average of 3.5 yards per carry, to which I say, yikes. Uh, As a point of reference, Miami the previous season averaged 3.9 yards per carry in 2020. And the year before that, in 2019, the Dolphins averaged 3.3 yards per carry. So uh, the running game has been, to say the least, uh, a sore spot of this most recent regime. And obviously that was one of the things that spurred the change in Miami, making a hire of Mike McDaniel with the intention to improve the offensive line in the running game. And It's been well-documented. I I know Field Yates put it out this past week. Uh, Miami hasn't had a top five offense or top 10 offense in the NFL since 1995. 
1995. There is no head coach in the history of the Miami Dolphins other than Don Shula to field a top 10 offense. And that is terrifying. And that needs to change. And obviously the the hope and the objective of hiring Mike McDaniel is to spur about uh, some of the improvements necessary to get there. We have a number of backs that we need to discuss. Miles Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, Duke Johnson, Malcolm Brown, Philip Lindsay, Patrick Laird. That's kind of your gauntlet. That's your gambit of players at the running back position. And of course, based on the history and the trends of, of the Shanahan offense and wide zone and McDaniel, and what they did in San Francisco with Kyle Juszczyk, uh, do not be surprised. If we go out, we get ourselves a fullback this off season and one would desperately be needed. Uh, when you take into account Miami did not implement full. I mean, Christian Wilkins was your fullback, right? And he obviously caught a touchdown. Uh, believe that was against the New York Jets. Uh, you have some hybrid type tight end players, but that is a missing link altogether that's going to need to be filled, whether that player is acquired via uh, the draft, free agency, or a player trade acquisition. A lot of exciting opportunities in that specific role, but we can already look at the running back group and say, we need more here. But the running back groom in its entirety has to start and end with Miles Gaskin. He had 173 carries on the season. That was 102 more than any other player on the team. Um, Duke Johnson had the second highest carry totals. And across those 173 rush attempts, Miles Gaskin averaged 3.5 yards per carry, had 612 yards, had three touchdowns on the ground, an average of 10.2 for 36 per game across 17 games played and 10 games as a starter. Miles Gaskin's bigger impact on the game was in the passing game. Uh, he caught 78% of his targets, 49 receptions on 63 targets. Uh, he only averaged 4.8 yards per reception. That is probably more of a testament to the offensive line and the screen concepts that the, the team had at their disposal, uh, but had four touchdowns in the receiving game as compared to just three on the ground on 173 touches. Gaskin, 222 total touches on the year, 3.8 yards per touch, which is brutal. It's not good enough. And we all know that it's not good enough. And I, I think you look at Miles and that this is where you see some of the challenges that Miles Gaskin presents as a player that you're going to put into a full-time role. They manifested themselves this year. Miles looked promising in 2020 for the stretch, and then he had the knee injury. And you know, He was a late-round draft choice because he wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the most powerful. He wasn't the most agile. And Miles Gaskin is a player that I think a lot of teams would probably love to have in their offensive backfield, but in a complementary role. And that, for me, was the most troubling part of Miles Gaskin is even the complementary peripheral pieces of his game took a big step back. Uh, there was a lot of point of emphasis on yoga and pliability to make sure he's more durable. Um, but he got bullied more. And he didn't create a lot of yards after contact. And he regressed significantly in pass protection. 
And then you watch Philip Lindsay come into the fray and then Duke Johnson come into the fray. And these dudes ran with a little bit more oomph and a lot more pop than what Miles did. And I think that kind of leaves Miles in a space where projecting him forward, he's ideally probably somebody who's going to be a pass catching back for someone, whether it's the Dolphins or elsewhere. Um, But if I'm going to put somebody into that Shanahan-style system, I would like one of two things. I'd either like more dynamic ability to cut and explode into your cuts to be able to string out that point of attack. You come through the mesh point, you take the football, and you're going to press, 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 and then when you identify that that hole is there, bang, you stick your foot in the ground, you get north, and you go. And that's not necessarily a strength of Miles' game. He's more smooth, fluid, but he's not explosive. And that's a sticking point for me. Or alternatively, I'd like him to have a little bit more downhill ability. And that with his size is just not a strength. So I think that when you project Miles forward, I think he could be a quality depth piece. I think he could be a valuable piece of a running back by committee. But I think there's a little bit too much in between for Miami to kind of tie themselves to Miles Gaskin and say, no questions asked. This guy is going to be our primary ball carrier for the upcoming season, no matter how good the system is at creating productive runners out of the backfield. Dolphins fans, if you have not downloaded Get Upside, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are saving as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Bet online. Big game this weekend. Very exciting. They got you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, but it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates for current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you told me Miles was back, depending on who else was brought into the fray, I'd be cool with it. If you told me Miles was gone, depending on who else is brought into the fray, I'd be cool with it. Uh, the, I, I am fairly neutral on Miles Gaskin as a player that is going to be a long-term fixture of backfields with the Miami Dolphins. The player who I'm most anxious 
to find out if they're back. And if I were to grade Miles Gaskin's 2021 season, I would probably give it a D plus or a C minus, especially based on the expectations that we saw in 2020 and how he grew into that role in 2020 and then the regression that happened. And I understand the offensive line a lot of times didn't do him a lot of favors. But then you get Duke Johnson, who comes into the fray midseason. He only played in five games, and in five games, he had 71 carries across five games, an average of 14.2 per game dressed. And he averaged, in the games that he played, 30 more yards per game than Miles Gaskin did. 4.6 yards per carry, 330 rushing yards. Three touchdowns. And he did this, mind you, in one third the sample size of what Miles Gaskin did. This dude was gung ho from the jump. He was a really, really refreshing breath of fresh air for the Dolphins. Uh, we talked about Miles Gaskin, 222 touches, 3.8 yards per touch. Duke Johnson, 75 touches in five games. yards per touch. He was not as involved in the passing game as you probably would have expected if I told you uh, that Duke Johnson was going to be a fixture for the Dolphins' backfield because, hey, Duke Johnson's been known as a productive pass catcher uh, throughout the course of his career. He's got several seasons of 500-plus receiving yards. He did it his first three seasons in the NFL for the Cleveland Browns. Now, granted, he never topped more than 410 rushing yards in a season. But Duke, I mean, in 2020 with the Texans, he averaged 3.1 yards per per carry, up to 4.6. It was the fact that he was able to, in part because of need, come into this team and be as productive as he was while not even really accentuating the best part of his game which was as a pass catcher. Duke Johnson came into this year with more career catches than he had rush attempts. Or it, It was close. I was looking at targets. Duke Johnson came into this year with 307 receptions for his career. Across six seasons in the NFL. He caught four balls this year in five games. I feel like there's an opportunity to be gained to put Duke Johnson and continue to keep him in the fray. Now, the challenge is at 5'9", 210 pounds, um, his strengths parallel pretty closely to Miles Gaskin, um, but not as the ceiling's not as high in pass protection. But if you were to tell me the Dolphins were going to keep one guy to be a pass catching back, I would want it to be Duke Johnson. I would not want it to be Miles Gaskin. You get into the numbers game, and and that's the challenge. Here's the number that that backs my point. Duke Johnson, after this year, which was year seven, has 609 more receiving yards for his career and one more receiving touchdown for his career than he does on the ground. This is a very versatile player. And you think about a Mike McDaniel style offense. There's some exciting potential here for this guy to be involved in the passing game, to be involved in the rushing game. 
I think he has enough quickness that he can run wide zone and he could press outside and kind of read that, read that defensive lineman and, and make that read on whether to explode and get upfield or continue to string out the point of attack. And he ran tough this year. The challenge, of course, for Duke is he's an expiring contract. Uh, Miami's going to have to figure that out. But if I were to give Miles Gaskin a D-plus or a C-minus, I'd give Duke Johnson a B-B-plus for his performance this year with the opportunities that he was afforded as a member of the Dolphins. And he would be the one, and I don't think that would surprise anybody who's watched the Dolphins play. He would be the one that I would absolutely advocate for being brought back. Savan Ahmed, 54 rushes, 149 yards, 2.8 yards per carry, 12 receptions for 117 yards. He did not find the end zone this season. And across 66 touches, averaged 4.0 yards per carry. Savan's tough. He's a tough player because he does run with juice. Uh, But his third down passing skill set, unlike the first two names that we talked about, I don't think is overly appealing. And he's not a big guy, right? He runs fast, but he's 5'11", 197. As far as backs go, historically, he's not a particularly big player. And maybe his block, maybe his mental block or his productivity block came in part because uh, he was playing for a staff that didn't trust him. And I think the Dolphins showed that with a number of players. Uh, If they didn't trust you, they weren't going to put food on your plate and ask you to do a lot. They had some guys that they would just not even dress. And there were times that was the case with Savan Ahmed. Uh, 54 carries across 12 games for an offense that was looking for a spark, and Ahmed was the guy in 2020 who provided the spark. The interesting thing about Ahmed and, and projecting him forward for the Dolphins is this is a player who was originally signed out of Washington as an undrafted free agent with Drum roll, please. The San Francisco 49ers, which of course were uh, featuring the new Miami Dolphins head coach, Mike McDaniel. If there's enough of a history there and a familiarity there for Ahmed to warrant a roster spot for 2022, I don't know. And that really is going to come down to how aggressively they choose to overhaul the position. What I would say is this. Savan Ahmed... 2.8 yards per carry, obviously disappointing season for him, especially based off the promise that he showed in the six games that he played last year uh, in the second half of the season. He would not be preventing me from making any personnel moves in the defensive running back room. And he's somebody who I would be considering at this point in time as probably fringe roster, 53-man roster talent. And if you come into next season – and you don't get dinged with a couple of injuries, and Ahmed still makes the team, either he took a big step forward as, as a player, or you've done your running back's room a disservice uh, by not introducing enough competition to really prompt him uh, to be off the, the roster. Our next running back is another back who came to the team midseason and showed some promise in one of his early games with the team, rushing for 12 for 42 against the Carolina Panthers in the win. Uh, He played four games for the Dolphins, 
Philip Lindsay. Uh, for the year, Philip Lindsay logged a total of 88 rushes for 249 yards, averaging 2.8 yards per attempt. That sounds bad. It's because it is. But he actually had a better yards per carry average for the Dolphins, 3.1, than he did for Houston across 10 games played, which was 2.6. What's interesting about Lindsey is this is a player who his first couple of years in the league was a 1,000-yard player. He's a Pro Bowl rookie as an undrafted free agent in 2018. He only started eight games that year, but he played in 15, and he averaged 5.4 yards per carry, 69 yards on 12.8 attempts, caught another 35 passes for 241 yards, 227 total touches for 1,278 yards from scrimmage and 10 touchdowns. That's all really good. But every year, he's been given less and less and less and less and less. And Lindsey this past year, um, obviously played in a very unideal situation in Houston before coming to another unideal situation with the Miami Dolphins. This is ideally somebody who, again, is running your wide zone, outside zone. He's a smaller guy, 5'8", 190. Now, being 5'8", 190 lends you some good leverage to be able to run the ball and run with admirable toughness. But I do think Lindsey is a back who would benefit the best from not dissimilar to Duke Johnson, potentially not dissimilar to Miles Gaskin, being involved in the passing game and pressing outside. And what's really fascinating about all of these backs that we've covered thus far is Miami's offensive line in years past had been constructed to have all these heavy hitters up front. And I know they were one of the most more gap prevalent concepts from a running game perspective in the entire NFL. You didn't have anybody who run between tackles. And this is not a advocation for Najee Harris by any means. I'm glad the Dolphins didn't draft Najee Harris in the first round because you got you Jalen Phillips and you still got Javon Holland. And I don't necessarily know that this year's backs in the draft are going to make sense to draft with a top 50 pick. And the Dolphins are going to have two chances to do that if they want to. I don't know that this system's going to prioritize it. I don't know if this coach is going to prioritize it. I don't know. But Philip Lindsay is kind of a wild card because his track record and resume shows if you get the rest of the stuff out in front of him correct, he could be a productive player. But if I were to put him on the hierarchy, he's probably two behind Duke Johnson for me. Uh, I think Duke gives you even more in the passing game. Uh, he's not as explosive as Philip Lindsay, but Duke Johnson's a bigger player, and I think you get more versatility in that regard. So I would stack them as the, of the names that we've talked about, and I would give Philip Lindsay's four-game appearance for the Miami Dolphins 38 rushes for 119 yards. I'd give it a C. I know he didn't have a lot of room to work. I admired his work in pass protection, but this 3.1 yards per carry didn't create a lot. And then you foil that to Duke Johnson, who I'm giving a B plus to. And I don't think there's a comparison. Um, so he's kind of the mystery player out of this group for me. 
The other two names that we're going to get to next are, are not a mystery to me, and neither is the quality of Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. they got 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And right now you can visit Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save your next order 15% of the world's most delicious protein bar. I don't think it's going to come to a surprise of anybody that I'm going to sit here and tell you that Malcolm Brown should probably just go ahead and list whatever apartment he had here in South Florida. Let's go ahead and call it a day. Um, Malcolm Brown had 36 touches on the season for 3.8 yards per touch, 135 yards from scrimmage. And mind you, 24 of those came on a touchdown run on fourth down. Pretty terrifying potential if you omit that run from the lexicon. And I'm not a math guy, so I'm going to. Yeah, 3.15 yards per carry outside of that early season touchdown run for 24 yards. Brown was the guy who was supposed to be the between the tackles hitter, uh, but he was just very stale as a runner. You watched him in a lot of the short yardage instances that Miami tried to get him the football to push the pile, and they're giving up penetration up front because teams know that it's going to be a run, so they're shooting gaps and they're crossing guys' face. And Malcolm Brown, on a number of occasions, had to redirect and get off the rails in order to find the space he needed to convert those opportunities, and he didn't have it. And I know he's coming back off of, of injury the previous season. Um, he played in seven games. He started three for the Dolphins. This is somebody who never had more than 419 rushing yards coming into last year. Uh, his career average with the Rams across six seasons was four yards per carry. Uh, not very involved in the passing game at all. He capitalized on a contract year in 2020. He set a career high in rushing yardage. He nearly doubled it. He tied a career high in rushing touchdowns. He set a career high in receptions by more than double his previous total. He set a career high in receiving yards by triple his previous high in a contract year in 2020. The Dolphins got got. The entire body of work probably should have tipped us off to some flags that this guy wasn't going to be a significant contributor and had traditionally always been a part of a committee. And that's what he proved that he was. And that player can be found in a lot of different places. But for the Dolphins, especially with a new offensive structure coming in, one that's probably going to implement a lot more zone. And I understand he played with McVay. I get that. But I think it's a change of scenery is probably necessary here. And I would give Malcolm Brown a D. Uh, for his performance in 2021 as well. Which just leaves the intern, Patrick Laird. We obviously don't get to talk about uh, Jared Dokes. He didn't play this year. So Patrick Laird, six games played. Uh, he had one rush for four yards on the season. He had three catches for 17 yards on the year total of four touches for 21 yards from scrimmage. Uh, this after 2019, 
kind of became a fan favorite, despite the fact that he rushed 62 times for 168 yards and 2.7 yards per carry, because uh, he was pretty involved in the passing game, 23 catches for 204 yards. Uh, a fun story, a fun player, uh, a guy that's really easy to root for. But when your nickname is the intern, because you look like you're just some dude who's here interning with the team, and your statistical production regresses in each of your three seasons to the point where you went from 168 rushing yards to 72 rushing yards to four rushing yards. And I understand he was hurt and I understand he was injured, but he played six games and had four rushing yards. He had 21 yards from scrimmage across six games played. It's a complete afterthought for the Dolphins, even when he was healthy. This is, in my opinion, somebody who's probably a practice squad player for some teams out there. Uh, But everything that we said about Savan Ahmed, if Patrick Laird makes your team next year, either he dramatically improved as a player or you did not do enough to improve your running back room. And I would give him an incomplete grade because he obviously was hurt and his role and his usage was next to nothing. So if we stack these backs in order of preference that we get them back, it's Duke Johnson at the top. And for me, it's not even close. So he's the only guy that warrants any level of consideration for a C plus uh, for their performance this past season. And I gave him a BB plus relative to the opportunities that he had in that sample size. Philip Lindsay would be my second most appealing. Miles Gaskin, third. Savan Ahmed, fourth. Malcolm Brown, fifth. Patrick Laird, sixth. In a perfect world, we only get one back. And I would like for it to be Duke Johnson. We'll see if that happens, though. Uh, it's kind of the big one of the big mysteries is how this team is going to mesh and blend their current personnel with the ideologies of Coach McDaniel, which is why I'm looking forward to what this offseason brings. And I hope you are, too. If you are, make sure you hit subscribe and keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins of Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for watching and or listening to the podcast. Make it a good one. Fins up. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.